No Catch Up Chicago. What's up, my people? You are listening to No Catch Up Chicago. We focus on Chicago news first and everything else second. Weekly, the No Catch Up Chicago gang talks Chicago sports, culture, and avoids cornballs by any means necessary. It's done for Chicago and by Chicago. Listen up. What's really good, my people? Welcome into the No Catch Up Hotline. I am your host, Sean Little. The Chicago Bulls are a dumpster fire, a clown show, a joke, a disgrace. Any adjective, any negative adjective you want to put on it, it fits. We've lost 14 of 16. We dropped the game in Mexico City last night to the Magic. There's a negative headline about the Bulls, it seems, every single day. The Jabari Parker news just came out. He's now out of the rotation. I wanted to talk to someone that's super plugged in, and I got the chance to interview one of my favorite writers right now. Chicago Bulls fan himself, covers college ball for SB Nation, college, uh, covers NBA ball for SB Nation. Ricky O'Donnell, the man himself, hopped on the line, talked Bulls. We went through the John Paxson article that he just wrote. Great read. That I will drop that article in the description. Make sure you check that out. We talk Boylan. We talk the future coach. Is there a fit? Is there someone you'd like to see? We talk the Jabari Parker situation. What are the worst front office moves they've made? Is it more about the culture? Is it more about this bad decision making? We talk about what we're going to get for Justin Holiday, Robin Lopez. How do we feel about the core of Lori, Wendell, Levine, and much, much more. Ricky O'Donnell of SB Nation. Listen up. Ricky O'Donnell, a.k.a. SBN Ricky, joining the No Catch-Up Hotline. How you doing, man? I'm good. How are you? I'm great. Like I said, I know we were talking a little bit before we uh, went live here. Big fan. A lot of my homies agree with you. You know what? I'm just going to go out and say it. I've been thinking this. I was kind of thinking, like, how am I going to intro, Ricky? You know why everyone loves you? Because you keep it fucking real. Say exactly what you're thinking. And I think that's what a lot of the times, that's what the street is thinking. And I'm like, yo, this is this is why everybody rocks to Ricky. Has that ever got you in trouble with an organization, execs, media, anybody else? Yeah, well, the Bulls don't credential me. They've never credentialed me as a reporter. That started even before I was really critical of the team. Uh, I've been writing full-time pretty much since 2007, uh, and it's been my job at SB Nation to do it since 2012. So I've been covering the Bulls for a long time. Uh, I haven't always been hypercritical of them, certainly not during the Tom Thibodeau, Derrick Rose, Joakim Noah heydays. Uh, but even then, I wasn't credentialed as a reporter. Uh, I did go to Media Day, though, and... You know, within the last couple of years, the Bulls have even stopped letting me go to media day. They said they reviewed my work <laughs> and I'm not allowed in the building anymore. So, uh, you know, that's what that's the price of keeping it real, I guess. You're not getting that access. Uh, but at the same time, like, you can't sell out. You know what I mean? You got to speak the truth and, uh, you know, just say what everyone's saying. And so that's what I try to do. Yeah, all day. I think it's worth it. And I think uh, the people appreciate that all day. Yeah, I hope so. Yeah, for sure. Um. The John Paxson article was incredible. It was dead on in every aspect across the board. Um, just to, and if you haven't checked that out, I will drop that, that article in the description here for, uh, you guys to check that article out. Basically, Ricky says that Paxson needs to let himself go, and I completely agree. Now, going through the article, you talked, one of the big things that jumped out to me was, cause Paxson's always talking about culture and how big, big a deal culture is, but as you alluded to in the article, the culture that he's created is garbage. 
Would you say Paxson's culture that he's created or the decision-making is more to blame for where the Bulls organization is right now? Well, we should give Paxson a little bit of credit in that he, the Bulls have drafted well. Very well. Like, even taking D. Rose over Michael Beasley, that wasn't a no-brainer at the time, if you think back to it. Uh, Joe Kim Noah over Spencer Hawes, great pick, not a no-brainer. He's made some nice picks recently with uh, Wendell Carter and Larry Markinen. So I feel like because they've drafted well, and then, I mean, hey, Jimmy Butler at 30, that's probably one of the best draft picks of the decade. No doubt. Uh, but at the same time, it's like, obviously the Bulls have continued to, they continue to fail to take the next step as an organization, uh, regardless of the talent they assemble. And to me, I think a lot of it is the combination of this poor culture and thinking of yourself like sort of a mid-market team. Like, we just saw LeBron go to the Lakers. The Lakers were not exactly set up to win for LeBron. LeBron wanted to go there to be in L.A., sure, but also just because the Lakers have so much mystique about them. The Bulls could be in a similar situation. This is the team that employed Michael Jordan. But instead of being this, like, marquee franchise – the Bulls kind of run themselves like the Pacers or like the Bucks. They never think big. Uh, they just don't present themselves as a super high-class organization. And I think that's because the front office has been in power here for so long. They've had so many embarrassing moments. I mean, you can go back to Pax and Choking Vinny Del Negro. You can go back to the feud between uh, Jimmy Butler, Dwayne Wade, and the younger half of the roster, which was, of course, memorialized by Ray John Rondo's Instagram post. You can go back to the fight between Bobby Portis and Nikola Mirotic. All of these things happen while there's reports that the front office is spying on players. We've heard that multiple times. There was a recent story uh, in the Sun-Times that, you know, Gar Foreman, uh, again, has been sort of accused of doing that. So I think that the Bulls have just created so much bad karma around the team you couple that with, you know, an inability to land free agents, just really not treating yourself like a marquee franchise. And it's why the Bulls find themselves in the position they're at right now. Yeah, I agree with a ton of that stuff. I think the culture, yeah, because like you said, the decision making on in some aspects has been solid. But that culture that them treating themselves like a second class citizen organization kind of keeps the cap on on us taking that next level and being looked at like you said like the lakers like the knicks etc whatever okay last night we take an l we've lost 14 of 16 we lost in mexico city to orlando and then this jabari parker situation comes out right before the game i knew the the jabari situation was bad i didn't know they just weren't gonna play him I just figured, hey, they'll 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 run him out there. They won't the the they won't pick up the second year option on the forty million, and we'll just burn the twenty million up and and kind of part our ways there. Is this a boiling call? You have any more details on what exactly happened? Are they trying to get more minutes for Hutchinson? What is it? I have no inside information. The Bulls hate me. They don't let me into the building. If they see me, they would probably try to beat me up. So I have no inside information on this. What I think is really interesting about it, though, is if you go back to the beginning when the Bulls signed Jabari Parker, the front office said he was going to be their small forward. I heard that, and I thought that was one of the most ridiculous things I had heard. Anyone who's watched Jabari Parker's NBA career knows that in this era of the league, there's no way he's a small forward. Hoiberg realized this immediately, and that was the reason he benched Parker in, what, the fourth preseason game this year? Because the Bulls have so much talent at power forward. 
with Larry Markin and being, you know, a future cornerstone for the franchise, with Bobby Portis being a more productive player than Parker right now, I just don't really think there's a spot for him. Uh, and to me, it kind of just exposes this front office is just not knowing what they're doing. Like, yes, the contract being $20 million, that's a huge overpay. But anyone even expecting Jabari to play small forward, it's like, do you guys watch basketball? Do you know what's right. going on in the NBA right now? Right. Uh, so now you look at Parker, he's what, the third best power forward on the team. You know, it's small forward. You got Justin Holiday, who you're trying to trade. You got Chandler Hutchison, who you just spent a first-round draft pick on. You need to develop him, see what he's capable of. There's just not really a spot for Jabari uh, and it's unfortunate because I think Jabari's a good guy. I don't think that he's like a huge clubhouse cancer per se, but he's I think just, he's just not a quiet good dude that kind of keeps to himself. Yeah, and there's just no real role for him on the squad. Yeah, exactly. Um, for the Jabari move, I know you talked about you know some of the worst, and in your article, in your Paxson article, you talked about some of the worst you know Chicago sports contracts, and you said or or, or you mentioned that Dwayne Wade was. One of the worst, I don't know. I think you said the decade. I can't remember. But the worst of all time. What? <laughs> any Chicago sports team. I stand by it. You stand by that. Oh, hell yeah. I um, mean, basically, the reason they had to trade Jimmy Butler is because they gave Dwayne Wade that horrible deal. Because the second year of that was guaranteed. You were wasting another year of Butler's prime. You, you know, had to spend another season uh, basically just in a holdover pattern when we already knew that three Alpha Zero wasn't going to work. Giving him the player option on the back end of that, just horrific. I mean, $36 million for one year. Yeah. To me, that's the biggest mistake of the guard packs era. I didn't think about it in the angle of the, the, the money being tied up for ha- and then kind of forcing their hand to move Jimmy. I didn't think about that. That's a great point. Yeah. So uh, let's talk about the Reinsdorf because obviously we, we, we're, we're going to drag packs and gar and all those guys, but it, it essentially goes all the way up to ownership. What is the Michael Reinsdorf, Jerry Reinsdorf dynamic? Is there any chance that they totally don't agree and once Jerry, you know, passes, Mike maybe will will start to treat the organization differently? In our last episode of our podcast, I think I said Reinsdorf kind of sits in like I, I can just picture Reinsdorf sitting in a rocking chair overlooking Comiskey like Don Coleone style and like people come and whisper ideas in his ear and he says like yes or no. You know what I'm saying? Like that's kind of yeah. how I see Jerry Reinsdorf. Is is there any way that once he once he passes, Mike can kind of go go about things differently? You know, I don't think. I mean, I have no inside information on this. I yeah. think the relationship between the Reinsdorfs is, you know, one of the most questionable things about the franchise, or something that you know fans like us are going to wonder about. Uh, to me, though, it seems like Michael Reinsdorf is. You know, every he's going to run the team every bit the same way his father did. Uh, one of the things, you know, going on behind the scenes that's been reported previously is that Michael Reinsdorf's wife is best friends with Gar Foreman's wife. Perhaps that's the reason why the Bulls have somehow showed more loyalty to Gar Foreman than they ever did to Michael Jordan. Yeah. I mean, think about that for a second. That's how this franchise is run. Yeah. So it's a friend like Reinsdorf, like if Reinsdorf's your boss... You probably love Jerry Reinsdorf. He seems like a you know super good dude, uh, known for his loyalty. That's wonderful. The problem is that he doesn't hold people accountable, and I just don't really think he cares that much about the Bulls. Like, it sounds ridiculous, but to me, 
the day all this Boylan stuff went down was the same day Harold Baines got elected into the Hall of Fame. I bet he didn't even care about this Bulls stuff. The Bulls were literally embarrassing themselves on a national stage. Everyone's mocking them openly around all corners of the sports world. And Jerry Reinsdorf's probably out there lighting a cigar thinking about Harold Baines going in the Hall of Fame. I just don't really think he cares. He's not invested in winning. And I don't really see any evidence that Michael's going to change that once he fully comes into power. Yeah, it's a huge, uh, my co-host Nick, the big Nick the Quake, always, he's a Sox fan and he knows that he, he's convinced and I'm convinced as well that Reinsdorf doesn't care about the Bulls and he, he uses the Bulls to fund the White Sox basically. Totally. I mean, I've been making that joke or that, you know, assessment for years. I remember it was probably like five years ago. Reinsdorf said at a banquet, baseball is a religion, basketball is a sport. I wrote about that when it happened, and Jerry Reinsdorf kind of commented on it afterwards and said, well, I can't talk about you know baseball anymore because I'm going to get in trouble from the Bulls fans. It's like, hey, <laughs> do you, are you invested in this at all? Like People all over the world love the Bulls. You had Michael Jordan. You should be a big global brand. But instead, they're just like bumbling idiots because they don't really care. They're, they don't hire smart people to be in charge. They just hire people Jerry's comfortable with, and that's how they put themselves in this position right now. Well, what do we – because I talked about this as well. My my whole take on the whole situation is to get Reinsdorf to care. We're flat out going to stop having – we're just – we have to stop attending Bulls games at the United Center. We always sell out. We're always tops in the league in attendance. Is that the only way we can get his attention? If we start – if 13,000, 14,000 a night start showing up, and starts hurting his pockets and he can't go get a new first baseman or he can't try to drop a ton of money on Bryce Harper to, to try to get him to come to the south side? Is that the way we get him to care? Probably. But, you know, the way that those games sell now, it's like a lot of secondhand, like, it's a lot of, like, ticket brokers buying the tickets and then, like, the fans buy them from, like, StubHub. Or, like, right, but somebody's buying them, though, right? If Someone's no one was buying. buying them, then that would... If the if the brokers felt like they couldn't get the tickets off, they wouldn't buy them either. Totally. Yeah, no, I fully agree with you. Uh, that is a common refrain you'll always hear from fans who are fed up with the team. No one should go to games. I never really write that because it just doesn't, it doesn't seem realistic to me. Like, are we really not going to go to Bulls games? It does feel like the fan base is starting to turn, though. Uh, I personally have been trying to hammer them as hard as possible. I've been doing this for like five years. At right, this just point, wake everybody they up. Fire everyone. They're a disgrace. Get these clowns out of here. <laughs> uh, I feel like, you know, it's got to be said, and it's got to be said in a way that makes people take notice because they don't get this type of criticism from the mainstream press. Now, finally, people are starting to turn on them a little bit. And I do agree that until they really feel like the fan base is fed up and the fan base isn't going to support them, uh, it's just going to be more of the same stuff we've endured over the last few years. Yeah, no doubt. I think if Reinsdorf looks at anything when it's the Bulls, it's the numbers that come in. And if he starts to see those drop off, he might start asking more questions, if any questions, than he already is now. I think you're right about that. Yeah, no doubt. Thoughts on the next coach? Who are some candidates? Who would you want to see? I think our last, what, three or four hires, even though Thibodeau was a very, very great hire, none have had NBA experience. Do you have any candidates in mind? Any chance that we keep Boylan, or what do you think there? I mean, Boylan lost the team within a week. How could they possibly keep him? At the same time, we know how the Bulls run their organization. Are they really going to pay three coaches next year? 
because they'd still Boylan's under contract for next season, so they'd have to buy him out. They're already paying Hoiberg his full salary for next year. So you right. wonder how realistic it is. I think Boylan's got to be gone. Here's the thing with like throwing out names uh, for new coaches. Like the best coach in the NBA right now, I kind of think is Nick Nurse, the coach of the Raptors. No one knew who he was a year ago. He was someone who the organization just groomed. When he was hired to replace Dwayne Casey, who just won 59 games coach of the year for the Raptors the season before, yeah, it's big, everyone big was like, deal, yeah. everyone's like, who is this guy? Why didn't the Raptors go out and make a splashy move? But they just knew that he knew the game. So I can't really sit here and say who you know the rising young assistant is in the NBA, but I think that's the guy they need. And if you want to make the Bears parallel, it's just so obvious that Hoiberg is the Tressman, that uh, Boylan's the John Fox. Well, they need to find their Matt Nagy. They need to find right. the young, up and coming guy. Uh, I don't, I don't know who that is personally, off the top of my head. Yeah, I yeah. also have no faith that Garpax can identify that person. Uh, but that's what they need, along with you know another superstar level talent. Absolutely. What could going forward? What could the Bulls get for Lopez and Holiday? They're obviously not a part of the, you know, the long-term look of the core of the squad. Yeah, what? probably you probably get a second-round pick for Justin Holiday, which I would do. I mean, the Bulls just give away their second-round picks like it's candy on Halloween. <laughs> yeah, they it's do. ridiculous. <laughs> they like don't value them whatsoever. So I don't know. Maybe try to acquire one. You can do stuff with those sometimes. You might as well take a shot, right? Uh, and Lopez, I mean, you know, again, second round pick, I think is all, all you could hope for. Uh, the Bulls should just be proactive with that. Get that done. Neither of those guys need to be around. And really the best thing for the long-term future of the franchise is to try to maximize their odds of getting the first pick because that's the only way that things are going to actually change around here quickly. Absolutely. I mean, just try to just pile picks, man. Get young players, get a look at them. If they don't work out, you got rid of Justin Holiday and, and Rolo, it's not no big deal, no 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 harm. You know what I mean? So yeah, how very much agree. Yeah, how how confident are you in the core of Lori Wendell and Levine? And what do you think the the organization looks like in two years? I mean, it, obviously that's a big it, it's a big question mark on what we do in the draft, and we're gonna we'll touch on Zion for a second here in a sec. But how confident are you in the core of Lori Wendell and Levine? If we could add one another piece, maybe in free agency in the draft. Yeah, solid core. I really like Carter. I think Carter is the biggest keeper out of those three. I like Markinen's game. He needs to continue to get better. He's got some holes in this game, which is why I like Carter so much. He's just so solid at everything across the board. Uh, but Except I do think staying those, out of foul trouble. I, I don't understand it, but... Yeah, yeah he's 19. You figure he'll, he'll figure that out eventually. Yeah. Uh, especially with all these clowns around him. Like He's already the <laughs> smartest guy on the team. He's already the best leader. and He's literally a teenager. It's like, what what is this front office doing? That a 19-year-old is the most mature guy in the entire organization. Yeah, and he's not in the leadership committee, man. What's up with that? Uh, the leadership committee. I feel like <laughs> they should just let the leadership committee run the team. Just like fire the front office. I don't want to hear about ownership. Yeah, they... Just let the leadership committee run the team. Those are the only <laughs> folks I recognize anymore. Uh, but I think the book... So what's kind of what I even though I am so negative about the Bulls in general, I do think that with that trio that you named as the young core, it does remind me a little bit of the last time the Bulls were building a really good team. They drafted Noah at nine. They drafted Dang at seven. They drafted Heinrich at seven. But like, what was the thing that like shot him up 
to the best team in the Eastern Conference, yeah. it was hitting on the first pick. Right. And then because of that, they got Rose. And then they made a brilliant coaching hire. It's like, I do think the Bulls could potentially make a similar type of leap should they land the number one pick and get Zion. And then should they, you know, hire a really good coach. So I don't think it's totally hopeless because Paxson and Gar, they've, they've drafted decently well. I mean, Markinen and Carter, you could definitely make the argument that those guys were the best players available uh, with the pick. So, you know, if you keep, if we're going to say that you hit a double or a triple with those guys, if you keep doing that, you're going to build a pretty good team just by default. Uh, in terms of like totally making the leap to like one of the best teams in the conference, though, I think they just really need a superstar, the best player. That's the value of a superstar in the NBA. It can mean so much to a franchise. Uh, so the Bulls are trying to do that now via the draft. They're going to need to get lucky. I think that it's a, you know, it's a decent plan, but it's far from a guarantee. You're really just rolling the dice and hoping that you, you know, your 10% chance works out. Uh, so that's kind of ridiculous too, if you think about it in mathematical terms. It's just it's a tough situation for the Bulls, and uh, you know they have some nice pieces, but they're going to need to add a best player to the mix, and best way to do that is via the draft. Perfect segue into the the last little piece of our conversation. I know you cover college ball; you cover it very well, and we're this is actually kind of fits perfect into what we were talking about earlier obviously Jabari coming in there was no room for him at the four we had two of the young best fours in the league and do you see Zion coming into the league is he a three or is he a four what where do you see him at Zion's position is basketball it doesn't matter <laughs> you give him the ball he's basically going to be playing point guard is the way I look at it I mean in today's era of the NBA it's not so much like what we grew up with as like, what's a point guard? It's like an offensive initiator. So like LeBron, Ben Simmons, James Harden, Giannis, Donovan Mitchell, these guys come in all shapes and sizes and they're not nominal point guards by any sense. You can throw Luka Doncic in there as well now, uh, but they're the guys who are running pick and rolls, who are initiating the offense and the majority of your possessions. That's what Zion's going to be to me. So I'm not worried about, you know, what's Zion's best position on the floor. Like, to me, what do you want around Zion? You want shooting? You want, uh, you know, maybe some additional – you need another rim protector. Zion's going to block some shots, but he's not going to be, like, your go-to rim protector. You need shooting and rim protection, uh, and guys are going to hold their own defensively. So I think that, you know, the Bulls have a good mix already. They could slot Zion in at the nominal small forward spot when he's – really playing point guard a lot of the time. You got Lowry space in form. Then in that case, I, I'm not comparing Zion to LeBron at all because that's a ridiculous comparison. I was just going to say, this but, sounds awful like <laughs> a lot like LeBron James, but yeah. Well, I was going to say, it's like, then Levine can kind of be the Kyrie in the Kyrie Cavs role. You know what I mean? Where like, Levine's basically a walking bucket. He can get you two points or three points whenever you want. You just don't want him handling the ball every possession because he doesn't make high-level decisions on a consistent basis. Uh, but if Zion's doing that, and Zion's drawing all the defensive attention, now you got Levine in that, like, number two scorer role, which Kyrie used to play for the Cavs. I think Zach Levine could be really good in that role. And then you have Markinen's space in the floor for Zion's drives. Imagine how many open threes Zion would get Markinen and Levine. I mean, those guys are really good shooters already. Uh, Zion's just going to attract so much defensive attention. Like even at the NBA level, it's going to be really hard for someone to stop a 285 pound dude like him who's that explosive, 
who also sees the floor well and is a really unselfish player. Like Zion's basketball IQ to me is what sets him apart. It's like, yeah, he has this ridiculous physical ability, but if you put a dummy's brain in him, he still wouldn't be that effective of a player. But because he's really smart, I feel like that gives him sort of superstar level upside. Uh, so I think Zion would fit wonderfully with the Bulls, even though most teams would play him, you know, as a nominal four and the Bulls would have to play him on the wing. Like at the end of the day, the dude's going to be handling the ball for you. The guy's going to be running pick and roll. So it doesn't really matter. You just want the right skills around him. Uh, so I think he would be a terrific pick. And if the Bulls do get him, and if the NBA hooks it up for your boys and, you know, throws us a bone once every 10 years, they <laughs> yeah. got to save this organization from themselves. Uh, it's been 10 years since they rigged the lottery for us, so why not do it again? Uh, yes, it is about that time, yeah. Yeah, I mean, we deserve it, right? We're putting up with this bullshit. We are putting up with a ton of bullshit, and we that's the... That's the, the, the gem about the Chicago sports fan is, man, we, we are loyal to a, we're almost Jerry, we're the Jerry Reinsdorf of fans, really. <laughs> <laughs> we, we're, we're super loyal and, and we'll do anything for our squad and we just kind of put up with it and hopefully, uh, yeah, hopefully we get blessed on that. I'm going to yeah. let you, I'm going to let you go on this. I know you run pickup and I'm, I'm thinking, I, I saw you, you tweeting a couple weeks ago. Maybe it might have been a couple months ago now, but it was, looking for some more people to come play pickup and i'm like man what is ricky donald what is his game like what is your game you're a shooter you a hustle guy 3d uh i'm about five foot six i'm really slow can't jump so (laughs) i'm just like a straight gunner i come i would compare myself charitably to nate rob nate rob with no ups no defense yeah passing uh, or maybe like Gennaro Pargo is myself <laughs> would be a more natural comparison. Uh, but you know, I just, we just, I just ran out of gym with my old friends from high school. We've been doing it for about five years right now. So it's still fun to play, even though by no means could I handle, uh, you know, like high level play, but you know, I get hot every once in a while can knock down some threes. So, you know, if you ever want to come out and run with us in Wicker Park on Monday nights, uh, hit me up and fun i'm 100 percent gonna take you up on that and i'm gonna come come get some running man it's hooping who it's all love man it's all about this the love of the game pick up hoops is the best totally agree ricky o'donnell sb nation you're the man for coming on man thank you so much cool thanks for having me all right brother